Greetings, and welcome back to our weekly Lunch and Learn Shiur. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and uh, this week we are reading Barshat Mishpatim, and Mishpatim itself has uh, lots of great things in it. Obviously, the Mishpatim themselves, both their content, uh, what's included and not included, the sequence of the Mishpatim, the context of the Mishpatim being given uh, in the Arafel, where Moshe is, uh, and then, of course, there's the bracha at the end of Mishpatim. Uh, and, of course, the very famous thing that we've probably spent most of the, our energy over the years on, which is the end of Mishpatim, which describes both Moshe's writing Sefer Abrit, reading from Sefer Abrit, the Mizbeach, the Korbrit that's made, and Moshe ascending the, the mountain and entering the cloud. Uh, however, this week is also Parshat Shkalim. And so we're going to turn our attention to Thalim, which is the first of the famous four parashiot. We're actually going to look at the whole system of the four parashiot. We're going to look at it from two very distinct angles and then bring them together. One of the angles will be a historic slash halachic angle, and the other will be more of an ideational angle or attitudinal angle uh, about these four parashiot. So let's take a look right now at the earliest source that we have, the Mishnah in Masachat Mekilah. Rosh Chodesh Shel Adar Shachaliyot Shabbat, Korin Parashat Shkalim. Right, so right away, and we're going to contrast along the way what we read with what we're accustomed to in practice, because as we all know, in practice, this Shabbat, we're going to take out two Sifrei Torah, we're going to read the mandated seven Aliyot from the Parashat HaShavuah, which is Mishpatim, Complete it, say Kaddish, Kriyata Torah is over. And then the second Sefer Torah that we brought out will then be, will then replace the first one, as it were, and we'll read the special Parsha of Shkalim. Keep an eye out to see what, how much of that is reflected, or perhaps something different is reflected in the Mishnah. So, Rosh Chodesh falls on Shabbat, Korim Biparashat Shkalim. Now, the first thing that's surprising is not what the Mishnah says, but the Mishnah doesn't say. Because we would expect the Mishnah to say that when Rosh Chodesh Adar falls on Shabbat, we take out three Sifrei Torah. We read Parshat HaShavuah, we read the Rosh Chodesh reading, and we read Shkalim. And that indeed is our practice, and the Bavli uh, spells that out clearly. Um, uh, but it's not mentioned here in the Mishnah. What is Parshat Shkalim? That's actually subject to a machloket in the Bavli between Rav and Shmuel. Is it the one that we read, which is Shmuel's opinion, Kitisah? Or is it Salat Bnei Israel, the Parsha of the Timidin Musafin uh, in Bamidbar, which would be, which is Rav's opinion, which would be occasioned by the fact that those Shkalim are used to support the fund, the, 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 uh, the fund those Korbanot. In any case, Korim Parshat Shkalim. Shabbat, meaning if Rosh Chodesh falls during the week, then of course you have two options. One option is to read it. Uh, with three options. One option is, is just to read it on that day. That doesn't happen. Another option is to read it later, meaning the, Shabbat, the first Shabbat in Adar. And another one is to read it Shabbat earlier. Now, in order to understand what the ruling in the Mishnah is, we understand what the ruling is, but the reason for the ruling in the Mishnah, we have to figure, figure out what the reason for this entire uh, enterprise of the Arban Parshiot, specifically Parshat Shkalim, being read at all and being read when it is, what that's about. So the rule is if Rosh Hashanah Shabbat falls during the week, then you, uh, you, you speed it up and you read 
um, the Meshach Shkalim on the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh, and that's what we're doing this year, and Umafsikim the Shabbat Acheret. It's an odd phrase. Afsikim the Shabbat Acheret means, and then you take a break the next week. Literally means you stop. So what is it you're stopping? So we don't understand it yet, but then when we get to the next Mishnah, which records what we read on the second, third, and fourth of these special Shabbat, we understand Mafsikim means that that series of one, two, three, four is interrupted by a week off. Because if you read um, on uh, on uh, during the week, as we're going to do this year, if we're starting on during the week, as it is this year on Wednesday, then the following Shabbat, which is next Shabbat, when we read Trumah, we're not going to have a special reading. That'll be a week off. The next one, which is Titzaveh, will be Zachor. All right, so let's see the rest of the list. Bashnia is Zachor. Bashlishit is Para Aduma. And now comes the, the phrase that is most uh, confounding in this entire system. Of course, we're wondering why we have to do these and why we do them when we do and why do them in the order we do, but and how are these different than any other Kriyata Torah? Uh, but the, the next line is what's really confusing, meaning the week after you did Hachodesh, which is not Chamishit, because it'll be Shishit, because you took a week off, you go back to the regular order, or either way, you go back to the regular order or their regular order. What does that mean? All right. So now we'll continue on in Mishnah. Bakol mafsikim. Bakol mafsikim means that we and here mafsikim seems is used differently than mafsikim in the beginning at, at the end of Mishnah. Hey. Here mafsikim means that we interrupt the regular reading for the following. Meaning, when our Shkodesh falls on a Monday, or Monday of Hanukkah, or form falls on a Thursday, then, or fast day, uh, falls on a Thursday, or Shavasavatamu's often falls on a Thursday, then, uh, then we do not read the regular Monday-Thursday reading, but rather it is overridden by the reading of that special day, of Rosh Chodesh, etc., all right, and we want to keep And so, notice how mafsikim is used here. Mafsikim at the end of Mishnah Vav is used to mean that you stop the regular order of reading and put it aside, and instead read the special reading. Keep that in mind as we go further along. Now, the Gemara in Megillah is commenting on what I note, noted was the confounding line. Makes it bring, presents the following uh, two interpretations of what it means. Rami says that you return to the Seder Parshio, which means something that is very much against our practice, which it means that when you get to, let's say, Rosh Chodesh Adar falling on Shabbat, you're going to take a break from the sequencing of what we call Parshat HaShavuah, you will not continue with Pashat HaShavu at all, and instead you will just read Pashat Shkalim. And therefore, when you finally finish this whole series, or when you've had a week off in the middle, on that week, and then after you're done, you're going to go back and resume from where you left off. That's Rabbi Yami. Rabbi Yami Amar, the Seder Haftarot Tuchoser. Now you go back to the regular order of Haftarot. Now, our practice seems to follow Rabbi Yermia, because what we do is we continue reading Pashat HaShavuah, Every one of these special weeks, and the special reading is the maftir. The maftir, on the other hand, is driven by the special reading 
not by the regular Kriyat Torah. Okay. There are several problems with Rav Yirmiya's opinion, even though that's the one that, in fact, we practice. One problem is there is no such thing as Seder Haftarot. Seder Parshiot makes sense because we're reading the Torah in any custom, in any approach, we're reading the Torah sequentially. And if we're reading from beginning to the end and then starting at the beginning again, so you get as far as you get, and then you take a break and read special readings, just as we all do, let's say, when we get to Yom Tov. Right? When uh, when uh, Sukkot or Pesach comes, whatever Kriyat Torah, wherever Parshat was up to there, let's say we did finish Parshat Sad, so we wait to do Shmini sometimes for three weeks because if Pesach starts on a Shabbat, then uh, Shabbat, and we say Chutzlar, it's the next Shabbat, our Pesach readings, and we've suspended the progression of Parshat Hashanah. There is no such progression on Haftarot. Haftarot, in no custom whatsoever, is reading all the way straight through Sefer Yoshua, and then next week pick up from where we left off, etc. It is random readings that are picked for one reason or another to, to uh, associate themselves with the Kriyat Torah of the day. Um, so it, it's very difficult. The second problem with Seder Haftarot to Choser is that in the period of the Amorayim, certainly in the period of the Tanayim, and even in the period of the Geonim, Haftarot were not yet fixed. The earliest established or mandated haftarot seemed to actually be for the regalim, for the holidays. And evidently, as we'll see in the Tosefta, also for these four special Shabbatot. But what you read for Parshat Shmini, what you read for Parshat Tzav, what you read for Achrimot, uh, whatever it may be, was very much up to the individual or up to the community. And they had certain guidelines, a minimum amount of Psukim. The theme had to be similar, the words had to be similar, different between Babylonish as well. But there was no set order of haftarot or set system of haftarot that you would return to. So Rabbi Yirmiya's language is difficult. Rabbi Ami's language, on the other hand, seems to fit the Mishnah very well. Which, but then the impact, the the the, uh, the implication of it is wild. It means that you would not be reading the regular parashat shavua on those weeks when you uh, when you have this special reading. This is all you would read. And uh, then when you're done, you go back and resume from where you left off. Now, a, 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 tangent, a tangential, or a, a, a relatively minor problem, but still a problem within this whole scope is, how could you have a reading which is all shkalim, or better yet, all zahor, which is three psukim? So does it mean that you're going to read three psukim, one person gets an aliyah, and that's all you do? Does it mean that you read, like the Ksot suggests in Turayabin, that you would read Zachor seven times, bring the guy up, read Zachor, the next day read Zachor again, because three psukim, unclear. Now this approach, which is again, not our practice, and yet it seems that that was the practice, and the practice, at least in Eretz Yisrael, as you can see from this passage in the Rishalmi, which is source three. Yirmiya Safra, it's from the Rishalmi Brachot. Yirmiya Safra, Shal Rabbi Yirmiya, and it's the same Rabbi Yirmiya, but he asked him, What do you read when Rosh Chodesh falls on Shabbat? You read Rosh Chodesh. Now, does that mean you read Rosh Chodesh and you don't, and you also read whatever you're going to read that Shabbat, or you only read Rosh Chodesh? So, of course, our instinctive answer would be you add the Rosh Chodesh reading. That's what we do when Rosh Chodesh falls on Shabbat. But not so clear. I'm Rabbi Chelba, call me Rabbi Ami. 
Umanita Amrake. He said that's exactly what the Mishnah says. But Michalbo says that Yirmiya's ruling to read Rosh Chodesh is exactly what the Mishnah says. And notice what he quotes. He quotes the end of Mishnah Vav up here in source one, which talks about not additional readings, but rather substitutive readings. Instead of the regular reading, you read Rosh Chodesh, which means that not only when Rosh Chodesh falls on a Monday or a Thursday, instead of reading the regular weekly piece, you read Rosh Chodesh, but even when Rosh Chodesh falls on Shabbat, you only read Rosh Chodesh. Interesting piece. We find something uh, perhaps even more fascinating if you take a look at um, source um, source seven. Uh, let's start with source six, um, and you see the following: the as I mentioned, there's a machloket between Rav and Shmuel as to what Parshat Shkalim is, and that's in source six. In source seven, in challenging Rav, as Rav says, Sabbat Bnei Israel, which is in which is in uh, in Bamidbar, from the end of Bamidbar, we challenge that reading. We have a that says that if the special reading happens to fall out the week before in its regular reading, meaning that the special reading you have is from somewhere in the Torah. So if that reading were to fall out a week before or a week after the week that we're supposed to do the special reading, Read it twice, meaning you read it, let's say, the first week as part of its part of and the next week as its special reading. All right, and then they point out, So when it comes to Shkalim, that will work for Kitisa, because Kitisa, we're going to read in a couple of weeks. Kitisa happens to be read in our system always around this time of year. So it could happen that Kitisa could be the week before, the week after Shkalim. But according to, to Rav, who says that Shkalim is Tzavet Ben Yisrael, it could never fall out anywhere near there. How could the Brayta be referring to Shkalim falling out near when it's read in the, in the regular progression of reading if it's Tzavet Ben Yisrael? And the answer we give is, Yes, indeed, it is the case for Bnei Marava, the people in Eretz Israel who complete the Torah reading over the course of three, it should actually be three and a half years and three and a, and a, and a fraction of years, which means that Tzad Bnei Israel, Reshit Parshat could happen any time of the year. So therefore it could happen that uh, Shkalim falls out um, and the Shkalim, meaning Tzad Bnei Israel, Bar could fall out right around Purim time Right around Rosh Chodesh Adar, and then we would have this problem, and that's the solution. Parenthetically, you almost have to say that because Chaliyah Parashas Mukhala is not a statement about Shkalim, it's about any of these. So, how could Zahor fall out? Zahor, which is at the end of near the end of Zarim, how could that fall out around Purim time? How could Chukat, which is Paraduma, how could that fall out right after Purim? That's then in the middle of summer. So, um, the 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 you'd have to give this answer that the entire ruling is referencing B'nai Eretz Yisrael who don't have the same schedule and their schedule is somewhat um, unpredictable. Now I'll explain what I mean by unpredictable um, because it's the very opposite of the Babylonian custom. I want to show you one other piece in Source Nine. Uh, this is a fragment from uh, from the Geniza. 
that as you can see, the, uh, the reference number in TS is Taylor Schachter. That's the NISA uh, cataloging system. And this was actually written in Arabic, the translation. I'm trusting that the translator did a loyal job of translating. The Yotzi Sefi Achid, this is talking about Pashat Parad, the Karubo Shiva means In other words, the custom that's recorded here is that you take out Sefer Yachid, one Sefer for Parshat Parad, and you read seven Aliyot in Parshat Parad. They would read more than we read, more than just chapter 19 in Ramid Bar, until they ate me but they'd only read Parshat Parad. Now notice, the statement implies that the author of that statement was aware that there's a custom to take out two Sifrei Torah. He says, no, we take out one, and we just read Parah, and we read that over the course of seven, which means you, you are postponing or, or delaying the progressive Kriyata Torah uh, that we generally have, uh, and reading only the special reading. So we have a conundrum here about what the role of these readings is, why it's read at all, why when it's read, but also the halachic issue of, well, what is being read? Is it only these or our custom? Is there another custom? What's the logic behind that other custom that's reflected seemingly in the Mishnah, certainly in the opinion of Rabbani, certainly in the statement of the Yushalmi about Rosh Chodesh, and certainly from the Ketah from the Genizah. We have a lot of witnesses testifying to a different custom than ours. Let's see what's what's behind it. Let's start with the first question, which is why are we reading these things at all? And why are we reading when we're reading? So the answer starts with the Mishnah in Shkalim. Mishnah says, On the first day of Adar, we publicize. Let me say how we publicize. About Shkalim, also about Kilayim, but Shkalim is our issue. We publicize Shkalim. Why on the first of Adar? because we have a general principle of using 30 days of preparatory announcements and teaching before an event is going to happen, such as the, or the famous Tosefta of it, 30 days before Pesach, you start inquiring, teaching about Hilchot Pesach. And so 30 days before Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we publicize why? Because everybody has to donate their machzid shekel, and the machzid shekel has to be brought by uh, by Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So if we publicize that on the first of Adar, now notice this Mishnah does not speak to a public Torah reading; it speaks to just announcing it. And it's likely that this Mishnah predates uh, the Mishnah in Megillah. By the time we get to the Mishnah in Megillah, this publicizing happens not through just a, an announcement, but through Kriyat Torah. And the Kriyat Torah happens on Shabbat, when many people are in, in, in the Beit Knesset, and are going to hear the reminder to go bring their Shkalim uh, in order to contribute it. So it makes a lot of sense. We understand why Shkalim has to be announced at all. We understand why Shkalim is announced when it is. And now, let's take a look at the second one. Why do we have Zahor? So, remember that the Torah commits us to remembering and to never forgetting the um, the um, the acts of Amalek. And in order to do it, the rabbis de determined that you have to have a public reading once a year. When do you do it? No, they didn't say. 
So at a later point, they said, we're going to do it on the Shabbat before Purim because Purim is our association with Amalek because of the Midrashic tie-in between Man, Gagag, etc. Um, and therefore, we fulfill the mitzvah of by doing it on the Shabbat before Purim. So we understand that, by the way, Shkalim and Zachor are not coming from one place. Shkalim is coming from the concern about the Beit HaMikdash a month away. And Zahor is coming because of something that might be happening that night, which is Purim, and it's directed towards Purim. That's at point one. What about para? Why do we need para? Because the single most important korban in our lives is korban Pesach. And so therefore, we want to make sure that everybody can participate in it. So there's a public announcement happening several weeks before the Pesach, telling people that they should go purify themselves with the procedure done with the paraduma, uh, and that will give them enough time to be able to participate in the korban. And therefore, immediately after that Shabbat, the next Shabbat is a chodesh, which is really continuing the same thing, which is reminding you to go buy your korban and get it ready so that you can bring korban to Pesach. So those, that's the reasoning behind those four, which means, by the way, we can look at this system three different ways. We can look at the system as being, number one is one thing, number two is another, and three and four are connected. Number one is about the new year of Nisan. Number two is about Amalek and Forum. And three and four about Pesach. However, the Midrash does a different kind of division. It pulls us sort of towards one and two being about one thing and three and four being about something else. The beautiful Midrash shows up here in Masechet Megillah and Bavli, and it also appears here in the Yushalmi in Source 10 um, in parallel. The Midrash says, God knew in advance. Haman was going to weigh out coins to try to get Israel killed. Therefore, God commanded us to bring Shkalim in advance to sort of beat him to the punch. Now, at that point, we would say this is a historical statement, meaning in history, God commanded us in Harsinai to give Shkalim to beat Haman by 800 years. But the Midrash goes further. It points to the Mishnah Shkalim that says, we announce Shkalim on Rosh Chodesh Adar. In other words, it's not a historic note, it's a yearly note. That we bring our Shkalim, or we prepare our Shkalim, we start inviting, involving ourselves with Shkalim, before Purim, to sort of beat Haman to the punch on a regular basis. And you see the same thing um, uh, in the Yushalmi. And at that point, it seems to be the same notion of a historic statement. And that's why we read Pashat Shkalim when we do which means that you could make the argument that the system is two and two. The first two are about Purim, the second two are about Pesach. All very nice. Now, before we get to the to the other suggestion about how these work, I want to now address the halachic and historic issue. Let's think about this. What is the logic behind our custom of Kriyata Torah, which is have an annual cycle which therefore completes Kriyat Torah in the course of one year? The answer is fairly straightforward, and it's something that we all experience. 
we all know when Parshat Peshalach is coming, it's around Tu Mishpat. We all know that when we get to Kitisa, we know that Purim is nearby or we just passed Purim. We all know that when we begin reading Sefer Vayikra, Pesach can't be far away. And indeed, the Gemara tells us that Ezra made a takana that we should read the Tochachot at the end of Vayikra, just before Shavuot, and the Tochachot at the end of Zorin, just before Shanah, so that to finish the year and get rid of all its curses. Why Shavuot is the beginning of the year? That's discussed. In any case, that speaks to the notion that, which we all understand intuitively and viscerally, that the yearly cycle creates a bond between the Kriyata Torah and the season. We're all sensitive to the fact that uh, that uh, Yosef being thrown into the boar on Parshat Vayeshev He's just before Hanukkah, and he's more sure Hanukkah to buy the David is about somebody who was thrown into a boar. Right? Look at the words in uh, in in that parak. All sensitive to the associations between Kriyat Torah and the season. The fact that Breshit and Noah come at the beginning of the rainy season, as so as 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 a, a, and a, whatever it would be, we would create that connection. But it's a natural connection. And so, therefore, you, you see that Kriyata Torah in an annual cycle, the Babylonian custom that became universal by the 13th century or so, is uh, in, creates Kriyata Torah as being part of the yearly rhythm and Kriyata Torah as an experiential model. Now, when you look at the Minhag of Eretz Yisrael, which was to read the Torah over the course of something like three and a half years, which seems to be based on or it's suggested was based on Hakel, which is the one public Torah reading mandated by the Torah. And Hakel was every seven years, so every three and a half means twice in, in Hakel you'll finish it. That seems to be built on something very different. Seems to be built on the idea that we want to make our way through and learn the Torah and continue learning the Torah, but it's independent of its season. And we have, we have fragments of that even in our Babylonian custom, which is when Yantif comes, we suspend the regular reading and we read something special. But the Kriyatla Torah, as, it's, as it was practiced in Israel, which meant you read less, you read fewer psukim, uh, roughly a third, maybe, of what we read in Parshara Shavuot, um, is would be a very different uh, experience of really teaching and speaking to the um, issue of the day, as it were, and teaching the Torah on a continuous basis. If that's the case, then I'm not bothered that when a special Shabbat comes along, I put the regular Kriyanta Torah aside, because I'll pick it up the next week. That's not a problem. I have something i got to attend to right now, and that's Shkalim or Para. And therefore, Rabbi Ami says, and therefore, Rabbi Ami tells the Yirmiyahu Safra that when uh, Rosh Chodesh falls on Shabbat, you read Rosh Chodesh. The next Shabbat, you'll pick up where you left off. The story will continue, and whenever we get to the end, we'll get to the end, and we'll start it again. Not a problem. It's not no longer wedded to the seasons, to the rhythm of the year. And now I want to go back to the four different parashiyot. I suggested that the parashiyot can be seen very much atomistically. Number one is about Shkalim, number two is about Purim, three and four are about the Pesach, I suggest you could see them as the two before Purim and the two after Purim. The two before Purim is being about Purim and the Shkalim association with Purim. 
But I think that there's something else going on. And for that, I want to take a leaf out of the Gemara in the Bavli, in Megillah, in the first parrot, when we have the Machloket about what to do when there's two Adars, which Adar should be the one to celebrate Purimim. And we have an opinion of Mishim Gamliel, which is the second Adar, that's what we do. And the arguments go back and forth as far as why. And the argument essentially is when we want Purim to be the same every year. And every year, it's the month before Nisan. Very good. But on the same side, I mean, you could you could argue it's always the, the Adar after Shvat, which would be Adar Rishon. So the final nail in that argument is Mismach Geula Ligula Adif. The piece that ends up tipping the scales is the consideration that we want one Geula to be associated with the next, to be attached to the next. So therefore, the Gulag Purim is attached to the Gulag Pesach, and that's a, a, that's a consideration that overrides the other ones. In other words, although we see Pesach and Purim as being distinct, polar opposites, really, in their mode of redemption, nonetheless, they are tied together. And they're tied together by the calendar, always keeping them near each other. And there's, of course, a practical reason for that. That means everybody knows when they get up from the Purim Suda, it doesn't matter what kind of year it was, you've got 30 days till Pesach, actually 29. Uh, four weeks from that night, you do B'dikah Chameit. Uh, this year, we'll be getting up from our Purim Suda on a Tuesday night. Tuesday night, four weeks later, we'll be B'dikah Chameit. That's how it works. But there may be something deeper on an, an ideational and on a hashkafic level that we should explore. And I think that what's happening with these are repartiot is that we're not just making announcements to remind people of things they need to do or create memorials for things that need to be memorialized on a yearly basis, like on the lake. I think we're also starting to work towards the Ulat Yisrael, to the redemption of Am Yisrael. This Shabbat, we should already start hearing the faint echoes of the Ulat with Shkalim. And there are powerful lessons that start with Shkalim and move us all the way to Achodesh, to prepare us for the opportunity and to be able to potentially experience full, full Google when we get to Nisan. Let's start with, with Shkalim. What is the lesson of Shkalim? The lesson of Shkalim is actually fairly straightforward. Everybody has to do their part, and nobody can do it alone. I have to give a half shekel. I can't give a whole shekel, but I can't give a none, no shekel. Every one of us has to do their part, and everyone else has to realize we can't do it alone. Am Yisrael will not be redeemed by individuals. Am Yisrael will be redeemed by the group. Meaning, individuals have to do great stuff, and individuals have to step forward and take positions of leadership and inspire people. But ultimately, it's going to be Am Yisrael together, and everybody realizing their own value and their own need for others to be part of it. You then move to Zahor. And the second step in Gula, okay, we're all united, but we have to keep in mind that our Gula is an ancient process, a process which is anchored in deep-seated hatreds and deep-seated challenges and historic animosities and historic claims and ultimately in a historic breach. Memory is one of the most powerful tools that Am Yisrael has, maybe the most powerful tool. As a Zahor writ small is Amalek, Zahor writ large is remembering all of Jewish history. You can't be redeemed looking forward unless you're aware of your past. 
doesn't mean you look backwards. It doesn't mean that you only let your nostalgia fester over the good old days and bemoan how things have gotten corrupted. The opposite, you have to have hope and, and vision for the future. There's got to be anchored in an acute awareness of the past, including about the black past, the bad past, the ugly past, including about the past of oppression and subjugation that ultimately we brought on ourselves. And it's not enough. A group of people who says, yeah, we're all in this together, we're all going to contribute, and we all have a strong memory of who we are, still hasn't done anything. The next thing is you got to act. Act on it. And to act on it means you've got to take the step. The step is to purify. The step is to realize that Gula is not just a move from here to there. It's a process. And if I don't take the first step towards the process, I'll never get there. So I have to go purify myself. And I have to make sure everybody in my family is pure. Pure in the sense of ready to take that next step towards Gula and taking the action. And then once that's happened, then we're ready for Hakodesh, which is actually celebrate the Gila. A very powerful thing that happens on Pesach is we celebrate a redemption not just of the past, but a redemption of the future, and we envision it in the present. And the steps towards our Gula culminate in our ability to actually live out the Gula on the 15th of Nisan at night, and experience it, something that begins this Shabbat when we read Parshat's government. So we looked at over the course of the past uh, half hour or so, is the sugiyah of the Arba Parshiot, what the uh, the difficulties in in the way that the Mishnah presents it, and almost assuredly the Mishnah and Tosefta are reflecting in Hagarot Yisrael, which would be not only the reading over the course of three and a half years, but also whenever a special reading comes along, the regular reading is suspended, held off for a week or two or three weeks, and the special reading is the only one that's read. Mentioned the te- technical issues with that. And then, I mean, a suggestion about how we would view these Arba Parshio, not as a system of one and another and two that are tied together, or two and two, but rather that all four of them as a sequence, all are messages that we need to internalize in order to move further towards Arba Puma, uh, which, of course, we anticipate and we will all be experiencing a few weeks from now.